This is the Plant Fueled Podcast. My name is Cass Warbeck. I'm a medical student, plant-based athlete, and vegan lifestyle advocate. This podcast is all about bringing you conversations to optimize your health and elevate your performance. Welcome back. Sorry it's been a little while between episodes. Med school has been busy. But to make up for it, I have a pretty incredible guest with me today. I'm excited to introduce you to Ryan Sadelik from the popular YouTube channel Minus the Gym. This is how I first came across Ryan, and I can personally attest to advancing my calisthenic training through the videos and resources on his channel. I later on discovered that he was also plant-based, and I knew I had to get him on the podcast. So, Ryan is the creator of Minus the Gym, a health and fitness brand centered around bodyweight fitness and plant-based nutrition. Ryan is a certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist whose teachings on YouTube alone have helped literally thousands of people improve their level of fitness and overall health and well-being. Ryan's goal is to help people understand that everyone has the power to turn their health around and get on a better track. Fitness is always accessible and nutrition doesn't have to be confusing. And the only limiting factor in improving ourselves is our own level of self-belief. Now, this is a packed conversation and topics discussed include why Ryan adopted a plant-based diet, the benefits of bodyweight training, calisthenic programming for beginner as well as advanced athletes, common mistakes, his thoughts on training to failure, how to get past a plateau, how to improve your abs, and why he only ate bananas for an entire week. I thoroughly enjoyed this exchange and I hope you do as well. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited to make this happen. Thanks for having me, Cass. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, There's so much I want to ask you about, but before we dive into calisthenics training, I thought it would be helpful for you to just quickly walk us through your own personal health and fitness journey. Um, I was like, have you always been so fit and healthy? Uh, (laughs) No. I mean, that's a long story. So it actually goes all the way back to my childhood. Um, I grew up kind of hooked on Doritos and Coca-Cola and video games. So I was really overweight. I was like 50 pounds, maybe 55 pounds overweight at my heaviest as a child. And when I got into high school, I realized like, I need to make a change. I need to do something different. You know, I was, I was picked on a lot and I was bullied and I just, you know, girls entered the equation for me. So I decided I was going to lose weight. And my mom had always pestered me to eat my fruits and vegetables. So what I ended up doing is cutting out all the junk food, all the pop or soda, whatever you want to call it. And I just, I just focused, I wasn't eating plant-based at the time, but I was eating like whole food pretty much. And I could not believe the difference. I lost 50 pounds in one year, my freshman year of high school. I went from 220 down to 170. And the kids at school didn't recognize me the next year when I went back. So that's when I got into fitness was my sophomore year of high school. Um, started working out at home with like, you know, push-ups and stuff. And um, my parents bought me a weight bench. And then junior and senior year of high school is when I really ramped it up into bodybuilding. I got into bodybuilding. And um, that's actually an interesting part of the story because I started eating a bodybuilding diet when I was about 17, 18 years old. And at the time, what they were pushing, every, every bodybuilding magazine and every um, book that I read, they were saying to eat your, your chicken breast, you know, of course like broccoli and sweet potatoes mm-hmm. and all that, but it was a lot of chicken breast, a lot of egg whites, a lot of whey protein, salmon, all these, you know, quote unquote lean proteins, but they were all animal based. And that ended up, um, working. I got into great shape and I thought I had undone all the damage of my obesity as a child. But when I was 25, 
I went to the doctor for a checkup. It was actually a biometric screening to get a discount on my insurance, my health insurance. And I found out I had sky high blood pressure. At like, 25. At 25. Scary. Yeah. Very high blood pressure. And the doctor told me, hey, um, he, I could tell he was kind of alarmed by it. And he, he had me do a follow-up appointment. So I came back like a week later or so. And he told me not to have any caffeine that day. Don't drink any coffee. I came back. It was a little lower without the caffeine, but it was still stage two hypertension. So he wrote me a prescription for um, Diavan, I think it was called. It was a blood pressure medication. Well, I ended up never taking that that medication because I'm. I guess I'm rebellious. I don't recommend <laughs> that to your listeners. <laughs> Definitely do what no your medical doctor advice. Says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do what your doctor says. But I didn't. Uh, I didn't listen. I instead I made a commitment to figure out why. I, I thought I was healthy. I looked healthy on the outside, but I was falling apart on the inside. And that is what actually brought me to the plant-based diet. A friend of mine who I went to high school with, he, was, he went to school, uh, he went to college for dietetics, so nutrition. And we got back in touch at that time. And I told him what I was going through. And he said, oh, you should try a plant-based diet. And at that time, Forks Over Knives, I'm not sure if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that. Okay. That documentary came out. So we went and saw it. It was like a limited release in theaters and we actually caught it in the theater. And I changed my diet on a dime. I just stopped and did a 180. I I went from one day eating, you know, chicken breasts and salmon and all that stuff to completely plant-based. I actually started raw. I did a month of 100% raw food and then went to cooked food. And within three months, I was totally, everything was better, not just blood pressure, but like my, my acne went away and uh, you know some stomach issues I was experiencing went away and just so many little problems that I didn't know were all related to the same thing just vanished. And I've been plant-based or you know plant predominant is what I like to say mm-hmm. ever since. That's incredible. Um, so I'm curious when the, where the calisthenics training started here as well. So you went you mentioned you were doing a bodybuilding diet, um, mm-hmm. then kind of transitioned to plant-based. You've been plant-based ever since, but where did body weight training kind of take center stage? Yeah. So it was always a part of my training, just, you know, push-ups and pull-ups. And st- actually I couldn't do a pull-up when I was first starting out, you know, that's, that's not a beginner exercise, but, no. um, after I went plant-based, I kind of stopped working out just temporarily because, working out for me had always been about building and building up. And a lot of that is eating in a caloric surplus. And I knew that wasn't good for me. So when I switched to plant-based, I took maybe like six months off from fitness altogether. And it was driving me crazy. I wanted to do some exercise. I would stretch, I would do yoga and things like that. But um, getting back into it, I got back into the gym. And because I didn't want to bulk up, I just sort of naturally started doing more bodyweight stuff. And I would put together circuits of calisthenics exercises and I focused on being lean because it just seemed to work well with the whole plant-based thing. And I didn't want to eat, I didn't want to be eating 3000 calories a day. I knew that wouldn't be good. Um, Fast forward, you know, so I was still, I was training people at that time, um, but I wasn't a certified personal trainer yet. That wasn't until almost 30 years old. I was like 29. And there was a certain point where I went on YouTube to look up pull-up form to make sure like what I was teaching was absolutely correct. And I saw these guys doing muscle-ups 
And then I saw people doing handstand pushups at the parks and I'm like, whoa. And once <laughs> I was introduced to that concept, it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. It's, it's addicting. I can really, it's like, there's yeah. always something new to work on. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, so I came across you um, through your YouTube channel, Minus the Gym. When did you start your YouTube channel and what was the original goal with this? Okay. So I started it in 2018. It was actually uh, March of 2018. It was like the first day of spring, I think when I uploaded my first video and I started it because my daughter, my first daughter was born and I I just could not get to the gym anymore. And uh, even when my wife was pregnant, I kind of stopped going and I was just working out at home. And I realized that the combination of a plant-based diet or even just plant predominant Mm -hmm. with body weight fitness is so accessible. The fitness is accessible. The diet is, I think, how we are designed to eat, you know, biologically. So I wanted to get the message out there. I just want to show people like, look, if you do this, the results happen. Like there's no struggle. It's just so easy. (laughs) So that's why I started the channel was just to share the message. I honestly wasn't expecting it to... um, to take off the way it did. <laughs> so I was a bit surprised when yeah. uh, it was my, my beginner routine actually is, was the first video of mine to really blow up. And once that happened, I was like, Oh, I guess this is real. I guess I, I have a yeah. YouTube channel. So. <laughs> That's awesome. I can imagine um, kind of going through the COVID pandemic really like helped as well. Like people are stuck at home and that's what people like people had no other option. Did you notice a difference or an increase in your, I guess, watches? that? Yep. Yeah. Views were like double what they normally were during the pandemic. And then of course, when gyms reopened at the end, you know, what was that early 21, maybe Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed the same, like it views dropped back down, but it was great for the growth. I gained a lot of subscribers during that time. And I'm glad that I, it was almost like, Oh, I forget what the term is. If it's, but it's, it was like destiny or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, like I started the channel two years before that. And then it was there. I had a bunch of tutorials and people were able to learn during that pandemic. So I'm glad I did it. Yeah. I'm sure you kept a lot of people sane through those (laughs) couple of years. Um, (laughs) So I guess like maybe for someone that's predominantly new to calisthenics and body weight training, can you maybe give an overview of why you think it's beneficial to train in body weight training versus um, weight training? Like what are the kind of the pros and the benefits there? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, um, I'll never put down weight training. I think it does have its merits, but in today's society, it seems like weight training is heavily associated with bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And if you catch that bug where you, you got to be bigger, 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 uh, it's cool at first, but it does end up hurting you in the long run. If you do it long-term, uh, calisthenics, I think has the advantage of it's more functional. And what I mean by that is if we look at the pushup, for example, um, you're in a plank position, like a straight arm plank at the top of a push-up, and you're maintaining your center of gravity throughout the whole movement, right? You're using your entire body, whether you know it's your upper body, your core, and your lower body to hold yourself in that position. And as you're moving dynamically up and down through the movement, whereas if you look at the uh, the same thing, but in, in weightlifting would be like bench press when you're you're lying on a bench and you're using dumbbells or a barbell you're not supporting yourself. The bench is supporting you. So some people say that's an advantage because now you can really isolate and focus in on the chest, triceps, and delts when you're bench pressing. And that's true if you have that bodybuilding bug. Um, But I have noticed now that I'm approaching 40 that like 
you really want to be more functional in your training because the more you're using stabilizers, the more you're engaged, the more muscles you engage in any exercise, mm-hmm. that that's just all around better. Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, you're um, gonna move better if you use more of your body in every exercise. Yeah, for sure. And I think even I find body weight training so accessible too. It's like you don't even have to go anywhere. Like say your whole YouTube channel is based out of your home, which again, it kind of eliminates that barrier of like having to go somewhere to get your workout in, which I can see being like everyone's so time crunched these days and with a family and everything like that must be yeah. helpful that way. It's, it's very accessible. That's, that's another one. And um, a lot of people don't realize this, but it's just as progressive as weight training. You know, so with weight training, you just incrementally add two and a half pounds or five pounds to a movement, right? Well, you can do that with calisthenics. You can use a weight vest or whatever and add weight incrementally. But even if you don't have that capability, you can use variations. Um, as you've probably noticed, training handstand push-ups. You know, there's ways to make it harder. You, the higher you go up the wall and then moving away from the wall, it gets harder and harder as you manipulate gravity to add more resistance. Yeah. And I think that's like, say, that's one thing people don't realize. And I, that was kind of ties into one of the other questions I had is I've heard one of the arguments against body weight training is that you just cannot stimulate enough, I guess, um, muscle hypertrophy or muscle growth and that you're limited to a certain extent with like how much you can gain on like just doing pushups for instance. But I think as you just shared there, because you can progress it. So like, basically endlessly. Do you think there's a limit for that where someone would all of a sudden like, okay, this is the maximum they've reached with body weight. Now they have to go to weight training. Yeah. I mean, so you definitely can stimulate hypertrophy with calisthenics. There's no doubt about that. Your body doesn't know the difference between your own body weight or if you've added additional weight for resistance. Um, and you, but if someone came to me and said like, I want to enter a bodybuilding competition, how should I train? I, I wouldn't recommend doing strictly calisthenics. I'd say make sure you're lifting some weights in there because there is that advantage, like I talked about earlier, of isolation Mm, with things like dumbbells. Um, But you can absolutely stimulate hypertrophy with calisthenics. And if you add weights to it, that that to me is like the ultimate. When I do weighted dips and weighted pull-ups, like my upper body doesn't get bigger (laughs) than than doing pull-ups of 40 pounds on me. Yeah. So, Crazy. Um, okay. So if someone's interested in starting out, what equipment do you generally recommend? Hmm. So our, uh, that depends if they have previous athletic experience, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what that may be, any kind of resistance training, I might encourage them to look into rings because the beauty of gymnastics rings is that, you know, as long as you have a place to hang them, wherever you're going to be, they are extremely versatile. You can do every exercise in calisthenics with just a set of rings and they are unstable. And that instability really adds a new dynamic that's way challenging. It's like more challenging for all your stabilizers. And that's why a lot of people in the calisthenics community, they side with rings and they tell everybody you should do rings. And I kind of see their point. It is definitely uh, the, the better equipment but once you get to that point, if someone's a complete beginner, they've mm-hmm. never trained before, they never lifted weights, um, then I would definitely recommend bars because okay. the rings, yeah, the instability of the rings are going to just be too much. With bars, you really just need two things. You need parallel bars and a pull-up bar. Perfect. 
Okay, quite simple, very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought a good way to structure this conversation is kind of how you've already been dividing answers is into the, like, the beginner exerciser that's just starting out and then maybe a more advanced, like intermediate advanced exerciser um, and going over a couple things for each. So I thought like just starting from a beginner's perspective, just as you mentioned, someone that's never really done resistance training before, but is interested in getting fitter, getting healthier, um, maybe, I guess, what are some fundamental body weight exercises that you would suggest someone start with? Uh, complete beginner? Yeah. Well, I would say starting with planks. So starting with a plank and mm-hmm. working on a negative, you know, in, in yoga, they call it chaturanga. Yep. But that, cause I've trained people who can't do a push up. So, and that to me is one of the most fundamental exercises. So Working on the straight arm plank, forearm plank, and the in-between, the negative, is going to help get them to their first push-up. Um, on their parallel bar- bars, that would be the support hold. Okay. So holding yourself with straight arms locked out on parallel bars, and also just hanging on a pull-up bar. So you're, yeah. Now, that's upper body. Okay. And then, and then with, yeah, lower body. <laughs> we don't ignore the lower body completely <laughs> in calisthenics. Um, just simple body weight squats and lunges are a good place to start for a beginner. And there might be some mobility work that needs to, you know, a lot of people, they need some work on their hips if they're not able to squat correctly, of course, but that's a good place to start is body weight squats and lunges. Okay, perfect. Um, and then someone's just starting out, how would you say they're coming to you and they're looking to start a program or something like that? How do you generally program someone that's brand new? Do you suggest they work their entire body every day or do you dive right into like upper body, lower body splits? Like what's your approach? I think split training is more advanced. Um, I recommend full body for a beginner and usually two or three times a week. It, it, it just depends on the individual, their age. Uh, their rate of recovery, their nutrition, how much sleep they're getting, you know, I I mean, there's a lot of things to take into consideration there, but uh, three times a week would probably be the most that I'd start a beginner. And the reason why full body is because that's really how our body is meant to be used. It's meant to be used as one unit. And when you stimulate all the muscles in a workout, uh, there's tons of benefits. Like you, your BMR goes up higher, um, testosterone production goes up and, and all kinds of things. So I like to start with full body three times a week and just working on the basics and taking, you know, my beginner routine on YouTube, um, where I was using circuits, right. Mm-hmm. But for some individuals who aren't overweight, if they're already lean, then I would start them with longer rest periods. So a good two to three minutes rest between exercises. Okay, perfect. And um, for everyone listening, I'll link to that specific video in the description below. So you can just scroll down and click on it if you want to watch that. Um, how? Okay, so you mentioned circuit training. Um, do you incorporate cardio training, interval training? Um, like, I guess, like if you're programming someone, are you purely focusing on the resistance training aspect and then just kind of recommend that they might get some cardio training in as well? Or do you, would you program that in? Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer cardio to be separate if possible. Um, like for me, it's jogging or, um, even just walking. If I'm feeling lazy, I don't feel like going for a jog. I feel walking is very underrated. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's walking is great. Um, cycling for those who like to ride their bike and, you know, just getting, especially seven days a week, ideally, like Mm -hmm. we are meant to do aerobic training every day. We're meant to move. 
Um, so that's definitely part of it. But for those who are really busy, you know, like um, one of my clients right now is a CEO of a tech company. He doesn't have a lot of time. You know, he's got a family and a, and a business to run. So we're, we're doing circuits because we're cramming his, his aerobic training and his resistance training into one workout. So it does depend. But ideally, if a person has the time to dedicate, I would separate aerobic training and strength training. And you could even do it where the aerobic training is in the same session, right? It could be mm-hmm. like a 20-minute jog before you work out and you do your resistance, or it could be after. Some people prefer doing their aerobic training after. Okay. So a lot of room for variety. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as reps and sets goes, like, okay, let's say you have a circuit um, and you're however many exercises, or I guess maybe you can give an example. What would a typical circuit be? And what would you be rec- recommending for how many reps someone do and how many rounds of the circuit should they do? Okay. So I would recommend starting with about four exercises. And I like to group the body. Um, so we have push movements, pull movements, squat or you know leg movements, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call that, and hinge. And hinge, you know, a lot of people in my video I mentioned hinge being um, leg raises, right? But you can also do back bridges. So you have flexion and extension. That's they're both hinge okay. exercises. So when you have those four categories, that's what I like to start with, and that kind of works your body evenly. And then you can add an additional exercise or two as you like. Some people want to add dips, you know, especially the guys who want to work their lower chest and their triceps more and everything. And women might want to add more lower body to it. But I'd say start with four exercises and, and just build up from there gradually. Um, try going around, you know, find a pace that's good for you. Try going around three times for starters with those four exercises. Rest as little as you can between each exercise in the circuit, but then take a nice long rest between rounds. So that might be two or three minutes or even longer. It depends on how long it takes for you to catch your breath. You want to enter each round fresh, feeling fresh and ready for it. But within the circuit, you want to challenge yourself cardiovascularly. Okay, perfect. And then let's say someone's doing some push-ups at whatever um, resistance or that they can manage. How many like reps would you recommend? Are they, we hear all the time, like, oh, like um, eight to 12 reps for like hypertrophy growth. Is it the same for calisthenics or would you be um, kind of suggesting like a higher rep range? Um, so I think there is some truth to the rep range stuff. And then it's also just a myth at the same time. <laughs> okay. You can, build, you can build muscle in any rep range. Um, what matters is that you take your muscles near failure or to failure. Okay. So if, if someone's really advanced and they can do 30 pushups in a set and they do that, they, they take it to 30, you know, and then maybe on the second round, they only get 25 or something like that. Then they've stimulated hypertrophy because they've gone to or near failure. Um, if they're sticking to eight to 12 reps, but they can do 30, well, you're not going to get any benefit from it. Right? Yeah. I guess that's common sense. I, I think where that whole thing stems from is the muscle fibers. So we, we have three different types of muscle fibers type one we use from like, you know, cycling and running and like the very low intensity, long-term stuff, yeah, the slow twitch, I think. Right. Yeah. And then the fast twitch. So you have uh, type two a and type two B. So type two B is like your, your quick explosive, like low rep stuff. So if you can, if you're working on one arm pushups and you can only get a few reps, that's your type two B's mainly. Um, when you get into that other range, eight to twelve or whatever they're saying, eight to fifteen nowadays, that's more type two A. And I think 
because people have more of those type 2A fibers, they noticed more growth from it. So that's why that's probably where that myth okay. came from. But it's not necessary. You, you know, I've, in fact, uh, a good friend of mine, Kyle Bogman, he, he is, he's the one who kind of taught me, like he was gaining mass at like 30, 40 reps. And I'm like, dude, he actually <laughs> got a one-arm chin up without Crazy. ever training it. <laughs> he trained his one-arm chin up. He was just so good at pull-ups that he was able to do a one-arm chin up. That's impressive. <laughs> so strength, yeah, strength and mass can come from any rep range. Okay. That's good. I feel like so often things get overcomplicated and you feel like you have to be sticking in a certain thing, but really I like your approach, just training close to failure and you'll see benefits. Yeah. Okay. So maybe just define failure for people. Like, are you talking pure, like mechanical, like, like you can't do another rep or is this more technical, cannot maintain proper form? Yeah. It's a little bit of both. So you want, so what I consider failure is like, you cannot perform another rep without breaking failure. Okay. The musculature, the muscle fibers are so exhausted that they have to compensate in order to keep you going. Mm -hmm. So you could probably do more if you cheat, but we don't want to cheat on the form, right? So hopefully that clarifies. Yeah, no, that's, that's super helpful. Okay, so switching gears a little bit here, let's maybe transition to the more intermediate advanced athlete. They've been doing resistance training for a while. They have regular push-ups down. They're starting to think about some of these more, I guess, like advanced movements or skills. Maybe um, just to give, like paint the picture here, what are some typical like advanced movements or skills that you see people wanting to train towards? Absolutely. Yeah. So before I jump into that, let me just say what I think the basic movements are. Okay. So that would be push-ups, pull-ups, dips, squats, lunges, leg raises, and back bridges. Okay. So um, just sorry to interrupt. Leg raises, do you mean like when you're hanging from a bar doing leg raises? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. You can start on the floor. A good progression is to start lying on the floor and, and lifting your legs, but uh, working up to hanging leg raise. Perfect. So once you have those, you don't need a full back bridge. You don't need that kind of um, extension of the back, but just working on bridging is good to counteract all the flexion of the leg raises. So once those seven basics, you're pretty fluent in them and you feel comfortable with them, then the intermediate phase is what I call intermediate, at least, are just a few exercises or skills that I think are great for people wanting to break into the, the more gymnastic side of calisthenics. So that would be your elbow lever, the handstand, and the L-sit. Okay. Those, some people put muscle up into this category. I'm going to say that muscle up is riding the sort of like the line between intermediate and advanced. It's like, it's like the last intermediate exercise, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Muscle ups are tough. <laughs> I am yeah, not there yet. No joke. <laughs> Especially if you don't want to kip, if you want to just do them strict, you're, that's a lot of training. So yeah, no, they're impressive. Can you um, describe the elbow lever? Yeah. Elbow lever is you are, your elbows, like your upper arm and your elbows are kind of jamming into your lower abdomen. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, so is it like a hand balance? It's a hand balance. Yeah. It, like at first glance, it looks like they're planching, Okay. but then you notice their arms are bent and their elbows are kind of jamming into their lower abdomen. So they're resting their body on their upper arm, on okay. their elbow. That makes and sense. But, but they are hand balancing and their body is parallel to the ground. It's horizontal. All right. So sorry, you said elbow lever, handstand, and L-sit would be your kind of advanced and then maybe muscle-ups? Uh, that'd be intermediate. Oh, interme intermediate. Sorry. Yeah. When you break into intermediate 
And, and just so you know, a handstand can easily take six months to a year of dedicated training. It took me, I think, eight months to start getting it. Yeah, same here. <laughs> it was like yeah. every day. <laughs> yes. Um, and that's, that's, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But th- there are some skills that you train daily and some that you want to train very infrequently, like once or twice a week. Yeah, well, no, we'll get into that. Um, yeah. What would be some like typical, like the advanced movements? So muscle-ups, what else? Yeah, muscle up is, I think, a good entry into advanced, but then you get into the gymnastic stuff. So that's like your front lever, back lever, side lever, what people call human flag. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that one. Planche. Planche is just, I, I honestly haven't even started planche training beyond a tucked planche because my wrists really take mm-hmm. a beating. And um, that it's it's all gymnastics. At that point, you're doing it's good to get a gymnastics coach, honestly, just to make sure you're doing everything correctly. Cause that's uh advanced level gymnastics. Yeah, no, I believe that. <laughs> um, okay. So maybe how do you program for these athletes or like the intermediate advanced people that are, would you still recommend body weight or not, sorry, um, full body every day, like three times a week, or how do you kind of take it up to the next level? You could do that. You, you could still do full body three times a week. That's actually recommended by um, Stephen Lowe. He's the author of Overcoming Gravity, which is like a like a calisthenics bible in, cool. um, in the community. Yeah, but I have found that like an upper lower body split, or I've even done splits that are straight arm, bent arm, and lower body. So that would be kind of like your push pull leg day uh, split routine, but it's bent arm, straight arm. So you're you're training the skills based on what type of upper body skill. And I do think split routines are, in my experience, more advantageous when you get advanced like that. Okay. Cause you can really narrow in and focus on certain things. Yeah. And also the frequency is the tough part because like I just mentioned, mm-hmm. um, handstand is a <clears throat> primarily mobility dominant skill, right? There's very little strength involved. It's more about stacking your joints so that you're perfectly stacked. You know, you can train that seven days a week if you want to, as long as you don't overdo it. You don't want to train it for like six hours a day. But you're, you know, the kickups can be a little strenuous, but for the most part, it's it's not strenuous training. Um, but then like I'm working on my one arm chin up right now, and I have actually found that to be the most strength dominant skill I've probably ever worked on. It's rings one arm chin up. And uh one day a week has been giving me the fastest progress. I was doing two days a week, thinking that was you know, as low as I'd want to go. And I was making very little progress. And then I said, you know what, I'm gonna do a month of one day a week, just like one big training session a week. And I saw more progress. So the, the more strength dominant it is, the less, oops, the less, uh, frequency you want to use in your training. Crazy. I would not have guessed that one day a week, you'd make progress off that. Like that's just intuitively you think you need more. Yeah, it really breaks you down and you need that time to recover. It could be again because my age and and everything, but I'm sure an 18-year-old could train twice a week and see the progress I'm seeing at one day a week. But it's yeah. it's definitely it comes down to the specific skill. How strength dominant is it versus mobility dominant? Okay. So certain more the the strength goals or the strength exercises train less frequently, but kind of your when you do train them, it's quite intense. And then some of the skill goals, like the handstands, you can train every day because they're not as taxing on the body, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Handstand, uh, even the double elbow lever. So when you're using both, both arms, uh, you could train that probably five times a week, 
you know, it's not that strenuous. Okay. And then in terms of whether people want to do a full body or kind of split it up, it, it seems like a lot of personal preference. You can do both, but you found people have success if they're splitting it up, if they really want to make progress on something. Yeah. It, it's mostly preference and also comes down to like, what skills are they working on? Does it make sense to separate the body if, you know, depending on their goals or, or does it make sense to keep it full body? It's really per individual and their goals. Okay. And then maybe this is the same, but as far as rep ranges goes, it's still kind of the same idea. Like you're training close to like that technical failure that you talked about. Yes. Well, hmm. (laughs) with isometrics, with isometric holds, like when I was working on front lever, I found um, sub-maximal training to be more beneficial. Oh, okay. So So, yeah, sorry. So like if you're, if you're max on, let's say you can do a tucked front lever for 20 seconds, right? And then you move on to your advanced tuck and you're, you're getting like your max is like 10. I would be working in more like five or six second sets with that advanced tuck. So doing lots of sets at about 50 to 75% max, that got me better results than hitting max all the time on the isometrics. Okay. I like that. I also love like your approach is a lot of, I can tell it's trial and error and you've done a lot of like self-experimentation to figure out what works. Oh yeah. I've been at this (laughs) for a while and it is, it is kind of different though. Like what works for me might not work for you, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've, I've had clients, you know, try some things we've had to tweak. We had to tweak the program and, but, but we get them there. No, super cool. Um, okay. So I have a bit of a selfish, selfish question here. Um, I have been stuck on about five to six, like wide grip pull-ups for a long time. Um, how like, and you can apply this more broadly as well, but how does someone advance a movement when you feel like you've plateaued? Like, do you have any suggestions or tips? Yeah, there's a couple ways to approach it. So since you're still working in the strength building range, because like one way you can try to break through a plateau is to add weight. Okay. But when you're still at eight reps or less and you're in the Mm -hmm. strength range, I would, I would maybe first try something else, which is greasing the groove. Okay. I have come across that concept on your channel. I was going to ask you about that too. If you, so you said six reps on wide grip pull-ups? Yeah. So 50% of that would be three. So if you do three, you shouldn't feel completely annihilated by the set, right? Um, And you also don't even have to really do a warm-up if you're just doing 50% of your max, you you shouldn't hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of greasing the groove is that if you keep a pull-up bar in your home or, or nearby, wherever you work, just periodically throughout the day, Maybe like what I used to do is I'd keep it in the bathroom door. And every time I went to the bathroom, I would just bust out a few pull-ups. Um, just do do your 50% of max. Do three, maybe six or eight times throughout the day. And literally every day do that. So what you're doing then is, you know, you have neurons in your brain that fire an electrical signal through your spine, your whole central nervous system to the muscles and tell them to contract. Since you're not exhausting yourself with a complete max set, you're able to practice more and more practice means that those neurons are going to be firing more often and they're going to trailblaze a better pathway so that when you're done doing this, I'd say about six days a week, um, doing as many sets as you can throughout the day of 50% max, you're going to trailblaze that better pathway. So when you go to beat that six rep max, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to contract the muscles harder and more powerfully and more efficiently. Okay. Okay. 
I will try that because I think typically my approach is like, okay, how many can I do rest for a bit and maximum again and kind of do like three to four sets of that. And it has not gotten me anywhere. So I like this approach. Try that. Uh, it, it seems counterintuitive, right? Cause yeah. you're doing so much, but keep it at 50% of max six days a week is probably a good start. I've, I've done seven days a week, to be honest with greasing the groove and do that for a few weeks and then retest your max. And I think you'll see a big difference. Okay. Also, if you would have said, I can do 12 of these wide grip pull-ups, now you're out of the strength, you know, the type two, mm-hmm. uh, type two B muscle fiber range. Then I'd say adding weight might be a good idea. When you're in the upper uh, rep ranges, you can add some weight, make it more challenging with that. And then your reps will go up. And everything you just said there can probably apply to someone else. Like if they're stuck on a certain amount of push-ups, or if they're, um, their dips or something like that as well. Right. Yep. Any exercise. Yeah. Greasing the groove. I learned that from a book by, um, Pavel Setsulin, I think is how you say it. he's Russian. I can't really pronounce his last name, but, uh, he's the kettlebell guy. He brought kettlebells to the West and he, I think he's the greasing the groove originator. I think he came up with that term as far as I know. Yeah, no, I like that. It's a neat approach to training and it's less intimidating, I guess, because you're just working within what you can manageably achieve. Yes. But there's a caveat. Let me mention you won't build mass because you're not going to or near failure. So if you're mm-hmm. doing strictly greasing the groove with your pull-ups, don't expect to build muscle doing that. Okay. Isn't, isn't that know. interesting? You'll gain yeah. strength, you'll, you'll build up your reps, but you won't put on mass. Yeah, no, super interesting. It's that more that neuromuscular like connection, like uh, muscle fiber recruitment. And it's, yeah. that, the physiology is fascinating. Um, okay. So maybe what are some typical mistakes you see people make, whether beginners or advanced people? Are there any t- like mistakes that people make over and over that you'd like to just like get out there? Like, don't do this. Well, yeah, there's quite a, let me start with, um, a lot of people, I think, put too much emphasis on form. And I know that sounds, you you wouldn't expect me to say that, right? No. But we, um, we have to go through bad form in order to get to good form. It's like a baby needing to learn how to crawl before they learn how to walk before they learn how to run. So whenever I see these videos on YouTube of the the calisthenics athletes and even just general fitness YouTubers who are saying that form is is so important, it's like, well, yeah, it is because you don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to put yourself into a position where you could really injure yourself. But if you're, you know, working, especially when you get to the intermediate and advanced stuff, but even with the basics, if you're working on push-ups and your hips might be sagging a little bit, you know, it's like, okay, we got to correct that, right? That doesn't mean you shouldn't work on your push-ups. I've seen people actually get so discouraged because they can't seem to get their form right that they just, they just don't even attempt it. So don't worry so much. As you practice, you will develop you know, those muscles and you will find it easier to hold those positions and to hold good form. Okay. That's reassuring, actually. I come across some people like that myself, actually. Yeah. Um, I- Another one I want to mention, another mistake is just going through the motions, right? Like your workout is just a checklist to get through. You need mm-hmm. to, it's, it's okay to put on music or a podcast or whatever to listen to, hopefully this podcast, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, don't be so distracted that you're not focusing on the sets. You're not focusing on the reps. You, you have to work on that mind-muscle connection. Whenever you go into a set, you want to think about what am I activating in this set? And you want to really hone in on that. And strengthen that mind-muscle connection. Okay. So be intentional with your training. Exactly. Yep. Okay. How long 
do, I guess maybe we can talk about you, do your typical workouts last? Like we hear like, oh, 60 minutes. Like, um, do you generally train for longer than that? Do you train for less than that? Does it vary by the day? It varies by the season, to be mm. honest. Yeah. In the winter, I work out less and I actually just, I love being outdoors and where I live, it gets cold and, you know, I, so it's kind of tough, but right now it's uh summer. It, well, it's about, it's almost summer. And I've got some good weather. So I've been, if you include my cardio, I usually do roughly an hour, hour and 15 minutes of resistance training and then another 20 to 30 minutes of cardio. So I'm looking at between one to two hours a day of fitness and that's six days a week. Okay. And then on your off day, do you do like active movement or do you take it completely to rest? Um, I active rest. Yeah. It, so it's an active rest. I will go for a walk. I won't jog or run or anything, Mm -hmm. but I will, uh, take a nice long walk. I will stretch, you know, a full body stretch, but nothing strenuous. That's my day to not break down my body. (laughs) Fair. That's important. Um, okay. Another question here that I think is probably one of the more popular ones. And, um, how does someone go about getting abdominal definition or if they're working towards that six pack? Um, because I feel so often we see these like videos on YouTube, there's just like quick 10, 15 minute ab workouts and they're very low resistance, but like high rep ranges. So you're doing a lot of crunches, a lot of just planking. Is that good to build like a six pack or do you need like weighted exercises, lower rep ranges? Like what is your approach here? I do think um, if you really want your abs to pop, then having more resistance is going to help. So doing the high rep ranges, I mean, yeah, uh, what it really comes down to is low body fat percentage. And I think Mm -hmm. everybody knows that. And that's the hardest part. The abs are made in the kitchen part. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Unless they are naturally lean people, what what we in fitness call ectomorphs, that's the, the term for their somatotype. But um, those people, the, the uh, ectomorphs, I've noticed that they just don't like to eat. They're picky eaters. And they, they often, they say, well, I can eat so much and I don't put on any weight. But then when you really get to know them, you find out, well, you, you don't like to eat. You hardly eat. That's, you know, and, and their struggle is putting on mass, right? But for most of us, it's getting that body fat percentage down enough. Um, even if you don't work out and you get your body fat percentage low enough, you'll see some abs. But if you really want the abs to pop, uh, higher resistance, you know, back when I used to lift weights, I didn't even train abs. It was the heavy deadlifts, the heavy Mm -hmm. squats. I was activating my core on those and I'd get a pretty decent six pack. Um, If you want to know some exercises that I really recommend in calisthenics. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll share that. Um, Yeah, maybe like top three or something. Yeah. So anything with total body tension is going to be great for a nice solid core. So that would be like your, um, your handstand, your dragon flag, your front lever, working on any of those intermediate and advanced moves. Oh, the ab wheel, mm-hmm. that piece of equipment that you just yeah. you kneel and you roll out that tension, that whole tension on the, on the torso, on the whole core, that is the kind of tension you really want. That's going to solidify your core. But to build it up, I have found hanging leg raises to be king. Okay. Those are tough. Or queen. Or queen. <laughs> <laughs> so getting, just hanging from a bar, um, try not to cheat. We have a tendency to cheat on hanging leg raises and our torso will move backwards, right? Okay. We, we lean backwards to get our toes to the bar. And I do that too. I still do that. 
but try not to cheat. If you really want to work the abs in their entirety, keep your torso upright and just flex at the hips and, you know, bring, bring the, the legs up as high as you can. If that's only, you know, parallel to the ground, so be it. If it's a little higher than parallel, then great. Okay. Um, and we're, we're talking straight, straight leg raised, like keeping leg your legs raise? as straight as possible, right? Yeah. You start with knee, start with knee raises if you have to. Okay. You so you can modify. Yep. And um, once knee raises get easy, you lift the knees so your thighs are parallel to the ground, and then you extend the legs and do a negative. Mm. So you, you're extending at the knees while your thighs are parallel to the ground, and then you're lowering the legs. And that's going to work the eccentric part of the movement, and that will give you the strength to do the leg raises. Um, also, once you get really good at leg raises, go ahead and do them at different angles, like up into the side, doing around the world kind of leg raises, all that stuff. Cause you don't want to just focus on the rectus abdominis. You want to work the transverse abdominis and the oblique abs too. And there's also the core muscles of the back, like the erector spinae. So. Okay. So we have the straight tension movement. So, or like ab wheel or working planche or things like that. And then we have leg raises. What would be like your third top core exercise? Hmm. I guess would plank, would planking count as like one of the straight? That's a, I'd put that in the tension category. Okay, tension. Like a beginner tension. So plank's good. You know, believe it or not, bicycle crunches, you know, the ones mm. where you're like, yep. Can I this? Yeah. The bicycle crunches are actually really great because they're working your, the entire anterior core. So, and that's another great beginner one. Okay. Okay. That's good. Good tip. All right. So weighted kind of high tension exercises and then really getting your body fat down should make your abs pop a little bit more. Yeah. But it's really about the body fat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry, people. (laughs) Um, all right. I'd like to come back to one thing that you mentioned before, how like we don't always neglect the legs and calisthenics. Like I feel like there's so much emphasis on all these upper body exercises, um, apart from squats and lunges. Like I know people can start to work towards pistol squats. Like, is that what you'd kind of recommend to advance your leg training? Yeah, that is, I think, the better way to go because when you start working on pistol squats, you'll find, at least I found, that my ankle mobility really sucked. So I had to work on that. Um, You'll find, you know, hip mobility. Right now I'm working on uh, middle splits. I'm nowhere near them. (laughs) But like I noticed that my pancake stretch and, you know, my straddle was just not very good. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this a goal. Um, But that's the kind of stuff you encounter when you try to advance your leg training and calisthenics. It's not just about big wheels. You know, a lot of guys in bodybuilding, they just, they still leave comments like, Oh, do you even work your legs? You know, do you skip leg day? And I'm like, well, I work my legs at least twice a week usually, but it's, it's not about being big. It's, you know, like my mobility is so much better than it used to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so functional. And I think that's one of the great things about like your channel too. It's like, it's not just, it's not just pure looks. It's like, you're really trying to like help people be healthier and feel better in their bodies. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I I want people to above all things, feel better, move better and look better, but you got to feel good. Who cares how you look if you feel bad? You know, that's no, totally true. Um, okay. I have a few kind of like rapid quicker. Well, they might not be that quick, but rapid fire questions take as long as you want to answer some of them. Um, okay. What is one of your, like the, your current personal goals that you're training for right now? Just be curious. Like yeah, you mentioned the one arm pull up was one of them, I think. Yeah. Chin up. <laughs> I'm not ready oh, for sorry. one arm <laughs> yeah. chin up. <laughs> so, supinated grip, right? Got it. <laughs> I'm working on one arm chin up on rings. I'm working on middle splits. 
And I always have some little other goals that I'm kind of working on, you know, uh, but they're more just like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to be more consistent. I set goals for myself to be more consistent with whatever I'm slacking on, whether it be cardio or, or whatever. But right now, those are my two big ones, one arm chin up and middle splits. Yeah. And I think the the power of consistency cannot be underrated here. Like um, it's better to be consistent and to not, like if you don't have 60 minutes to put into your workout, it's better to do like something than nothing at all. Right. Yes. And thank you for mentioning that. I want to mention for your viewers on that note, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I like the idea of this accessible bodyweight fitness, do it anywhere, do it at home. You can do it mm-hmm. while you watch Netflix, even if you <laughs> want, you know, but it's, it's good to just show up. You know, you're going to have those days where you just, you don't, you don't even want to do it, but if you just show up, that's the most important part with consistency is that you gotta, you gotta show up. And then the more you do that, then the better you'll get at it. And usually the momentum starts to come. Like, even if you just say to yourself, I'm just going to do like a couple sets of push-ups or whatever it is, usually you start to feel better and you end up doing more than even what you set out and said you were going to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, find I, that personally. I started as a teenager just dabbling in push-ups and stuff. And now look where I am now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it snowballed and it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so cool. And then what's awesome is like, look where you are now and then look at the things you're still working towards. Like, it's just that constant journey of self-progression, which is fun too. Yeah. Um, speaking of push-ups, what, do you have a favorite push-up variation? Ooh, yeah, um, that's a tough one. <laughs> My first thought was to say diamond push-ups. Right. That's when your your thumb and forefingers are touching. So you're you're focusing more on triceps. I just feel so powerful when I do those. But um man, I also really like what are called deficit push-ups. Okay. So you have your hands elevated on like parallettes or a stack of books or whatever you got. So that you're able to lower your body further, like lower than your hands, basically. Um, I have found that doing deficit push-ups, especially with my weight vest on, is better than bench press. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'll have to try those. I have a. I don't have parallel bars yet, but I got yoga blocks, so I think that can work. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, you can do deficit push-ups. I, I actually do use yoga blocks sometimes. Okay. Cool. Deficit push-ups. I like that. So, how often do you do burpees? Because everyone hates burpees, um, but I'm wondering how often they find themselves into your programs or your daily workouts. Yeah, so I did go through a phase where burpees were a staple, definitely. And I actually made a video on it. It was a progression video on my channel to help people. Um, but lately, I haven't been doing them as much. I, um, I still do a variation of them, which I call baby burpees. It's like, it, it's like you step in, instead of hopping down and then kicking out. I'm squatting and then stepping out into a plank and then stepping into a squat and standing up. So it's like a lazy man's burpee or a lazy person's burpee, but that's just what I've been doing lately. It's more of like a mobility exercise. I haven't Mm -hmm. been doing the explosive ones as of late. Okay. No, fair enough. I haven't been either. (laughs) I feel like I should be though. Um, Okay. Do you have a favorite post-workout meal? Smoothie. Yeah. What goes into your smoothies? Lately it's been like a PB and J. Um, let's think here. I use soy milk. I just, I just love it. And that's the base, three bananas, one cup of frozen blueberries, uh, a tablespoon of peanut butter, a tablespoon of ground flaxseed and one scoop of vanilla plant-based protein powder. 
That sounds good. That sounds oh, it's delicious. Filling. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's very. It's like eight hundred yeah. something calories. You yeah. said three bananas, right? Three bananas. Yeah. Okay. It's a big, it's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Um, I feel like I haven't asked you enough questions about the plant-based diets type of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe for someone listening there, like I have to ask you the protein question. Um, Do you, what are your go-to protein sources throughout the day? And do you ever worry about not getting enough to feel your training and that sort of thing? Yeah. So I never worry about not getting enough. I don't, but I, I do focus on specific foods. So some of the staples in my diet are various legumes. I'm a big fan of chickpeas. I I put those in my salads all the time. Um, Different greens, believe it or not, can add up if you eat a lot of greens. Uh, Lentils, big staple in my diet. In fact, last night we had lentil loaf, which was really good. Lentil loaf with mashed potatoes. (laughs) Um, I do use protein powder, a plant-based protein powder that is made from, I want to say soy, hemp, and rice. Um, but I just kind of use that for assurance. I don't really think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Tempeh. I'll put tempeh in a soup. I'll put it on a sandwich. You know, it's, it's very high protein. I'm not a big fan of seitan. I know a lot of people yeah, the- are big into seitan, but I, and, and I don't have a problem with wheat. I just, I don't know. There's something about it. I'm just not a big fan of it. Maybe it's the texture or something. It's like squeaky. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I don't know. But I will say that protein adds up more than you think just from like fruits and vegetables. I, you know, I ate raw. I still do once a year. I'll do a week of raw and I do juice fasts pretty regularly. Every few months, I like to do like a few days of just juice, fresh juice. And surprisingly, your protein, like I'll hit 55, 60 grams of protein from just fruits and vegetables throughout the day. Yeah. yeah. I think that's something like even in my experience as well. Like, we think of these like protein staples, but yeah, we don't add up the like one or two grams that like we get um, from everything else throughout the day that really adds up. So um, can I I just add one thing? Of course. If someone's concerned about their protein, I've I've read a lot of research on it. If you convert your body weight, if you're using pounds, uh, convert it into kilograms and then multiply by 1.6, and according to the science I've read, that is the highest you, you need. There's no benefit. There's no recorded benefit going beyond 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight. And that's perfectly achievable on a plant-based diet. I mean, you do got to gotta target some protein sources at every meal, but it's definitely doable. Yeah, I've heard that too. Like we don't need to be going into like the two, 2.5 grams per body weight right. per day. Like it's, that's excessive. I'm going to tell you, I, I've seen progress in, in at least in body weight fitness. I don't bodybuild anymore, but um, I've advanced at plenty of, of things over the years and I often will get 80 grams or hundred grams a day, which is low for me. You know, c- according to my body weight, I should be getting 140 grams of protein mm-hmm. if I do that 1.6 calculation that I was talking about. So I think it's overrated. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it's reassuring to hear you say it too, though. Um, if someone's listening to this, you've kind of tipped them over. They want to try plant-based. Um, do you have a couple tips for someone that wants to transition and I'll caveat this with, I know you just put out a YouTube video kind of talking about this, so you don't have to go into everything. I'll link to that video below, but um, do you have anything you'd like to say for that here? Sure. Um, I think there's a couple ways to do it. One way is to dive in head first, where you basically, one day you're eating, you know, lots of animal products and the next you're eating all plants. And the beauty of that is you feel the difference. 
it's like a stark contrast compared to what you're doing before and you feel the health benefits more. And that's what I did and I loved it. And that's, I think that's why I'm so passionate about this. But if you're more the kind of person that has to tiptoe into it and you're not good at making lifestyle changes abruptly, then I recommend doing one meal at a time. So first, just look at breakfast recipes, you know, find some smoothies and some skillets and, you know, different, you know, hash browns or whatever that you'd want to try that are plant-based. I recommend oil-free. Oil is not a health food, by the way. (laughs) And just start with breakfast. And then once you have that down for like a week or two, then try tackling lunch and then try tackling dinner. So it just depends on the individual, but I think those are the two main ways to transition. Mm -hmm. And I'll just um, emphasize that I like your approach as well and how you also say plant predominant. And that's kind of my approach to it as well. Like I do identify as vegan now, but like I feel if everyone ate even 80, 90% plant-based, everyone would be so much healthier. So don't let, you don't have to be 100% to like feel the benefits of eating more, more plants essentially. And I like how you approach it that way as well. Yeah, for sure. It's the world would be all around better, you know, the environments and, and everything. If, if everyone just ate more plants, not necessarily, I know vegan scares people away. So (laughs) that's why I don't use it on my channel. I I don't want to be labeled as a vegan channel. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Like say, I was watching your channel for a while before I even realized you were plant-based. So it was kind of cool. Um, have to ask this as well. I saw you had a YouTube video up where you only ate bananas for an entire week. I would just love to hear quickly the story behind that and why you decided to do that. Sure. That was a mistake, by the way. I'll tell you. (laughs) Really? Uh, Yeah. So every year I do a week of raw food. It's just my thing. It's like a cleanse for me. I feel so good after I do it. And that year was my uh, I think that was 2019. So it was my first full year with the YouTube channel. And I had some audience. That was my first time doing the cleanse with an audience. So I was talking to my wife and I'm like, hey, what should I do? Should I just do a raw cleanse or should I make it like big and try to get like views? Yeah. And she's like, well, what if you ate like only one kind of food? And I was like, well, <laughs> there's this woman named, I think Freely is what she goes by. Oh, I've um, heard of her, I think. Yeah. She's a raw vegan and she eats just banana. She has a banana challenge where she says, I think it's like a month of only bananas and people have lost weight, you know, and and done really well on it. So I said, I'm going to try this banana Island diet that she talks about and see what happens. So I recorded, it was actually the first couple of days were great. I enjoyed it. You know, I had banana smoothies. I had put cinnamon in it. So it wasn't only banana, (laughs) Um, banana ice cream or an ice cream. Um, Mm -hmm. It was great. But then like after the third day, I just had a hankering for anything. Like I, I wasn't getting enough fat. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what was going on. My fat intake was like 10 grams a day. That was just not Crazy. enough. And I was still training. I was still working out. And I, I've, I don't know. It was just by the end of that, I felt like I was going to lose my mind and I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> totally fair. No, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Did you get a lot of views? Was it worth it? Uh, I think I got like 180,000 or something. So like, yeah, yeah I, that's I think pretty it was good. worth it, but I won't be doing it again. <laughs> too funny. Um, when you typically do your one week of raw food, like eating now your cleanse, is it mostly fruit or are you, is it a lot of like raw veggies and such as well? Yeah. So my, um, my favorite tactic is, uh, like 80, 10, 10. So you do fruit for breakfast, fruit for lunch, and then a huge green salad for dinner, just enormous. And if you make a dressing, just blend fruit Mm. Or a little bit of nuts and seeds is okay, like a like a small amount of nuts and seeds, but make sure they're raw. Uh, and that's my favorite way to do it if I'm going to eat. But 
the last couple of times I've done juice cleanses and I love juicing. I've got a nice juicer and there's just something about fresh juice because like your body doesn't have to separate the fiber from all the nutrients. Mm-hmm. I, I feel so like my body is just so clean afterwards and detoxified and just, and I lose a lot of weight too. Like, which is, I mean, you just melt away with a week on a juice fast. Crazy. I might have to try one someday. I've never done that, but it's crazy. Yeah, it is. The first I recommend starting, if you're going to do it, just do like one or two days at first. Mm-hmm. Cause it's kind of like, if you've never done a water fast, I don't know. Yeah. But, 24 hours is like my longest. Yeah. So maybe do the same, like do like 24 to 48 with juice. And then when you feel ready, dive into a seven day one, but I want to go the long haul. Eventually I want to try like a 30 or more day juice fast just because it's a challenge that I yeah. like to do. Oh, that's cool. I did do like only watermelon for an entire 24 hours. So I might try and stretch that out to a couple of days. But. Yeah. When I did that, I spent about <laughs> half the day on the toilet, <laughs> which, which is great. I mean, that that's great. <laughs> it really you know, cleans you out. Yeah. Yeah. We're very backed up. So it's good to do that. Um, I got some funny stories about that, but I'll talk about it. On your Spare the audience. <laughs> Well, you've been quite generous with your time, but um, as we kind of close this out, what is maybe one thing um, that you would like people to take away from this conversation or even one thing that I didn't ask about that you'd like to share? Um, I guess the one thing I want them to take away from it is I love this saying, I don't know who originated it, but it's progress, not perfection. So how you mentioned plant predominance and how we talked about body weight fitness and how you can just continually keep progressing like that. Um, you, you have all these things at your fingertips, body weight fitness is at your fingertips. Literally, you can just drop to the ground and you know, put your fingers on the ground and there you go. Yeah. Um, plant-based nutrition, you know, plant predominant nutrition, it's there. It's, it's accessible for everyone and you don't have to go all in. You can just dabble with, you just show up, just show up and try it. It's about progress, not perfection. So I encourage people, if you haven't tried it yet, to give it a shot. If you're I really, I really like that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So if anyone listening would like to reach out, connect with you, or even work with you, um, maybe you can quickly tell people where they can find you um, and everything will be linked below as well. And then maybe give a quick like overview of like, what do you offer people if they would want to work with you? Sure. So definitely find me on YouTube. That's my home. I, I really don't publish content regularly anywhere else. Um, I do have a blog and I do have an Instagram, but I honestly don't keep up on those. So YouTube, just look for Minus the Gym. And if you're interested in my products and services, I have a mobile app with um, some programs, some workout programs, handstand training program in there that you can download and check out. And I also have consultations and custom programs that I offer via my website, minusthegym.com. Okay, very cool. So the the app that you have, is it so people can actually like um, subscribe to that. And is it like kind of daily, weekly programs that people follow, like exercise by exercise? Like how does that work? Yeah. So it's, um, it's available on iPhone and Android. And when you download and install it, you'll have a selection of, you know, programs based on goals. So if you're a beginner, if you're trying to learn the handstand, if you're trying to build muscle, lose fat, and you just select the program you want, and it just says, all right, here's week one, day one, and you get started and you can go through it. it uh, it's like holding your hand and taking you through set by set through the workouts. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. I feel that it's like, again, takes the guesswork out of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you work with clients one-on-one, is it um, fitness and nutrition or both? Yeah. Like, or people can decide, I guess, what they want help with. 
It's both. So okay. I make, when they buy a custom program, I'll do a custom workout program based on their assessment and their goals, but also a nutrition guide to help them. You know, some people aren't interested in plant-based nutrition and I'll actually come up with a, a fitness nutrition guide based, you know, on, on how they currently eat and I'll include animal products. But if they, a lot of them come to me because they're interested in trying plant-based and mm-hmm. they don't know how to okay. start inching that direction. So. Uh, I like that. It's very inclusive, very opening. <laughs> so you can yeah. be at any stage in the journey, basically. Definitely. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. I've I've learned a lot from this conversation and I hope everyone listening has as well. Um, thank you. I can't thank you enough. Thanks, Cass. And thanks for having me on. It was great. That's all for now. Thank you for listening and I hope it was valuable to you. Please remember to check out the show notes for all the resources mentioned and links to connect with our guest. If you would like to support what I'm doing, the best way to help me grow the show is to subscribe, of course, but also share it with your friends and family or on social media. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can also leave a five-star review and or a comment. A special thank you, as always, to Tyler Gatto for composing the theme music for the podcast and to Wyatt Pavlik for the excellent audio engineering each and every episode. So until next time, keep training hard, keep eating plants, and take care.